What up, people? Welcome back to the Sports Gamble Ramble. SGR 111, we are now in the divisional round of the NFL playoffs. This is week number two in the playoffs here. My Philadelphia Eagles finally making their appearance. It will be fun to break down that game and all four games of this weekend. Um, yeah, recording Friday, January 20th, around 5 p.m. here, getting ready to break down all four games. We have the Jags at the Chiefs, uh, 4.30 p.m. on Saturday. Giants at the Eagles, 8.15 on Saturday. And then Sunday, we have the Bengals at Bills, 3 p.m. And then the Cowboys at 49ers at 6.30 to wrap it up. Should be a pretty awesome weekend of football. Couple teams here that obviously at the beginning of the season we didn't expect to see, and even probably a month ago we didn't did not expect to see uh, in the divisional round here with uh, especially the Jaguars and the Giants. I would say everyone else probably belongs. Of course, upsets are going to happen, and anything that I say on this episode will be held against me in the future when one of these you know, for lack of a better term, bad teams ends up going on a run here. But uh, yeah, it should uh, should make for some interesting football. Definitely a lot of storylines here. So we're going to go ahead and break it down. Um, not going to waste any time doing any recaps, things like that. Um, just full disclosure, I did not have a great weekend against the books. Just seemed like everything that I needed to happen either got called back by a penalty or I mean, not to dive too far into it, but I had the Chargers minus two and a half, and they blow a 27 nothing lead last Saturday. So, man, it just snowballed on me from there. Like, my big bet to cap off the weekend was Dak Prescott to throw an interception, and uh, he did, ended up did not doing that. Maybe played the best game of his career. So, not my weekend last weekend. We'll see if the picks can bounce back. As far as personal wagers, I'm not throwing much action down. Just to let you guys know, uh, this is mostly about enjoying the playoffs and uh enjoying the ride for me as an Eagles fan um but I do have a couple of props that I've eyeballed here that I'll throw into my game picks and obviously we'll go over the overarching storylines and I'll give you some info on the cash splits that I'm seeing across the market so yeah that's about all the housekeeping I need to do there let's dive into the first game the 4:30 Saturday kickoff the Chiefs host the Jaguars here uh the Chiefs favored by eight and a half I am seeing nine on about half the books across the market. I got my bet stamp app opened up to shop for these lines, and I'm seeing eight and a half on FanDuel, but nine on BetMGM. Uh, seeing some fluctuation again across several books here, so make sure that you are paying attention to those lines, getting the best value, and using bet stamp to shop around. Um, I'm not seeing a crazy cash split here, although on DraftKings, 43% of the bets, 51% of the cash is coming in on Jacksonville at that plus nine mark. Um, this one for me, you know, just, just you know, a little peek behind the curtain. I was coming into this episode getting ready, ready to pick every underdog against the spread. Doesn't mean I'm calling for teams like the Jags and the Giants to win these games, um, but I tend to lean towards dogs at this point in the season, at this point in the playoffs. Actually, if you go back historically over the last 20 years, 75 game sample size, um, underdogs in the divisional round of the playoffs are 40, 30, and excuse me, 44, 30, and one against the spread. Um, so that's again, uh, just under 60% against the spread are underdogs in this round of the playoffs of the last 20 years. And, um, 
yeah, this number big, obviously, eight and a half, nine on some books. I Again, I was trying to talk myself into picking the Jags with the points here. I can't do it. Um, the Chiefs haven't been great about covering big numbers this season. But at the end of the day, I just keep looking back to that. The last two weeks, really, Jacksonville has not been impressive in my eyes. They barely got by the Titans in week 18 at home against Josh Dobbs with your season on the line. You need a scoop and score fumble recovery for a touchdown in the last five minutes of the game to win that one. And then you're down 27, nothing last week. I get it that they overcame a 27, nothing deficit. And you could say a lot about how much mental toughness and grit and, and fight that it shows from a team to overcome that, you know, comeback and that adversity and all that stuff. But you have to play really, 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 really bad to be down 27, nothing to begin with. And I think a lot of people are forgetting about all the flaws that this Jags team still has. The chiefs to me, have been, I mean, they're not great about covering this season, but they're still the Chiefs. And I think people are almost, they they get this fatigue with the Chiefs. We're so used to them being so good. And I guess maybe some people are still feeding off the narrative Tyreek Hill isn't there, although they're doing a great job like scheming their playmakers open. Kadarius Toney in particular is a guy that they're, they're getting the ball in his hands and getting him involved more and more. I actually think uh, Kadarius Tony anytime touchdown might not be a bad bet this week. Um, obviously, they didn't play last week, but in week 18, I know that they schemed something up to get him in the end zone. They seem to be, uh, Tony and McKinnon seem to be strong touchdown bets for this Chiefs team if you want to go away from the obvious with like a Travis Kelsey. McKinnon's been in the end zone constantly over this last six, seven weeks or so. Um, since he's kind of taken a new role in the backfield. So there's a couple anytime touchdown props that I think you can trust there on the Chiefs side for sure. Tony will have some value. I'm seeing his price at plus 200, plus 210, and plus 220 on the three books that are listed currently on Betstamp. Um, not, I'm on six books across New York State. Not all of them have um, Tony touchdown scorer prices available right now. So I'm only three, seeing three. But the price at plus 200 or above, I love for Tony to possibly get in the end zone this weekend. I'm going to pick Kansas City minus the 8.5 or minus 9. Obviously, I'm looking at the Bet Stamp app, and I'm going to take the best number available. So that's going to be the 8.5 there on FanDuel. That's what I'm looking at here. Um, Andy Reid, historically, with extra time to prepare, will have his team ready to go. It was a bye week, yes. Um, does he get two weeks to study Jags film because he knew that he was playing the Jags coming into this? No, but you get two weeks to, um, you get the first week to rest up and then take an internal self-scout and try and come up with some creative play design. You know, Andy Reid with an extra week to study film and, and come up with play design. I mean, who knows what he pulls out. Um it seems like they've got a new package every week. Um, that that play that they had against the Raiders where they did the whole ring around the rosy thing and then came out of the huddle and ended up, that was the play designed to Tony, actually, now that I think about it. Like, they're doing that all the time. 
I just think advantage goes to Andy Reid here. It's a matchup between Andy Reid and Doug Peterson, which is interesting. little storyline there. I'm going to give the advantage to Andy Reid against uh, Peterson, a former member of his staff, um, basically, you know, got indoctored into coaching through the Andy Reid uh, coaching tree. Um, I'm going to I'm gonna go with Big Red in this one to cover that number. I think if Jacksonville were to cover this nine, it happens on a back door. I don't think this is going to be a particularly close game in the second half. Um, and I think, it, again, if Jacksonville covers it, it's because Kansas City's up 14 and gives up like a score with a minute left that doesn't matter. So that's kind of where my head's at on this one. Over-under is the highest of the weekend. I'm seeing 52 and a half, although there are 53s out there on the market. And about 78% of the money is on the under in this one. That's interesting. Um, it is a high number. Uh, so my gut uh, overall this weekend is to lean into the unders because we saw so much points last weekend. I think that has to correct itself here. I would hope it does. Um, so I'm going to be pretty under heavy as far as these picks go here. But that said, this one feels like we could see some points. So I might lean into a contrarian over in this one. It feels almost like this is kind of the high-scoring blowout, and then the next three games are really where we see some more competitive stuff, in my opinion. Um, not to spoil too much, but again, you know, the underdog trends are pretty hot in the playoffs. I have a pretty steamy one for this uh, Eagles-Giants breakdown that we'll get to in just a second, but... I think that's where I'm going to leave you guys uh, with my thoughts on the Chiefs. I guess one last thing to mention, 93% of the money line bets on the Chiefs, but only 66% of the uh, cash, excuse me. So we're getting 7% of the bets, but 34% of the money is on Jacksonville plus 400. You know what that says to me? Thinking about it, I saw this pattern last week, very similar cash split on the Seattle Seahawks um to upset the 49ers at plus 400 as well you know what they were winning at halftime and then they fell apart you could talk me into a jacksonville first half spread kansas city second half maybe even a double result jacksonville wins the first half kansas city wins full game man i'll have to look up the odds for that but that almost seems like if you're gonna try and attack this um out of you know outside of the box thinking I, I think Jags first half Chiefs full game might be something to look into there glad I kind of got that last thought out but other than that we're going to go ahead and move on to my game of the week the Eagles and the Giants so the Eagles are at home 8 15 kickoff on Saturday they're favored by seven and a half this number is Static across the market. I'm not seeing any eights or any sevens out there currently on all six books I'm looking at on bat stamp um, Yeah, I mentioned that I had a trend uh, as far as underdogs and specifically divisional underdogs here um, In the last six matchups between divisional opponents in the divisional round of the playoffs The underdog is five and one against the spread four and two straight up Makes me a little nervous giving out that stat here, but I do have to try and use my unbiased, unemotional brain. I'm going to pick the Giants plus 7.5 to, I don't know, maybe keep this one a little interesting, maybe backdoor it, who knows. I don't love it. I don't love trying to, to 
to make a case for the Giants in this, but that trend is pretty strong. Um, I do think that the Eagles struggle against mobile quarterbacks, so maybe they can create some opportunities with Daniel Jones' legs. I think the Eagles win this game. I'm saying that, and I'm trying to tiptoe around this because I'm a very superstitious individual, and I'm a huge Eagles fan. And I'm a little nervous for this, but it's not really about the matchup. It's just about the fact that like it's time, it's time to put up or shut up. It's like this is like win or go home. We're trying to chase a championship, and the only way to not get there is to uh, to lose a football game. You know, it's just it's a it's a must win situation. So I'm nervous about it here. But realistically, I don't, I don't really, uh, I don't see it. I don't see the upset here. Um, I think. A lot of the things that people are pointing out that that go in the Giants' way as far as, like, their D-line is, is very good, and they were able to get so much pressure on Kirk Cousins last week. But the Eagles have such a good offensive line, I don't think that matchup's there. Um, I, it was something I was paying attention to going into that. The, the matchup that Dexter Lawrence had on the weak interior of that Vikings O-line, I don't remember the name of the guard that he was matched up against, but he was giving him fits all day. You guys, actually, if you go and see the mic'd up, the, some of the trash talking that Dexter Lawrence was spitting out last week was pretty hilarious. He really did dominate that game. He's not going to be able to have that kind of an impact performance and take over the line of scrimmage against this Eagles team. Our um, advantage in the trenches trenches on both sides of the football here is so massive that I think that at the end of the day, that's how we get through this. Um, the concerns with injuries on the Eagles side. First off, let's talk about Jalen Hurts. I know that we didn't finish the season with that much momentum um, kind of limping into the one seed there, uh, losing two out of our last three games, obviously. Both of those with Gardner Minshew at quarterback. One where we almost beat Dallas in Dallas, if people are forgetting how well Minshew and the rest of the team played in that spot. And then, we, you know, we dropped, a, dropped an egg against the Saints. What do you want me to say? It happens. Let's move on. Hertz comes back in week 18 against this Giants team, and everybody wants to talk about how the Eagles really didn't look dominant in that performance. The Giants were resting a lot of guys, and the Eagles still, I don't, they didn't cover in that situation, and it was maybe closer and uglier than, than it should have been. Well, the Eagles, that really wasn't the 100% Eagles team here, okay? Lane Johnson was not playing in that game. And on top of that, Jalen Hurts, although he played, he clearly wasn't 100% for that. He was just kind of in there to make sure that we got the win and, and didn't shoot ourselves in the foot. You could tell by the play calling and by the overprotective kind of nature of Hurts' play on the field that, that was, it, it, it was a design to be ultra-conservative in that game. A, we didn't want to show our full hand against that Giants team considering we could run into them again in the playoffs. B... Yeah, like Hertz wasn't 100% in that game. So again, like he's sliding a yard earlier. He's not putting himself in positions to get banged up. Like he was playing safe and he was being babied in that game. I think that with these last two weeks to rest up, he's been fully, he's been removed fully from the injury report. He's been uh, a full participant in practice all week. Everything the beat reporters are saying about him is that he's fine. Like, I think that everybody trying to talk themselves into the Giants' side here is trying to bank on, like, that the, f the fact that 
this Eagles offense isn't what it was in the middle of the season and that Hurts is banged up and that he won't be a threat to run, which is going to take an element away from the Eagles. And, you know, if you take that dimension away and then, you, you know, you make Hurts beat you with his arm, you know, anything can happen as far as turnovers and, and fluky things like that. I just, I think that he's healthy. I think he's ready to go. It would not surprise me if the Eagles actually come out and call an RPO or a read option right away, right off the bat, first possession, to get Hertz moving out of the pocket and kind of show off the wheels and put that in the back of the mind of these Giants defenders and that coaching staff. Yeah, Jalen's going to be ready to run tonight, so you better be ready to fucking stop it. I really think the Eagles are primed to take care of business at home here. It's going to be be the most hostile crowd in Philadelphia. Really, you know, in months for sure, because we haven't had a big-time home showdown like this in quite some time, especially in primetime. And then if you add into the fact that this is, this is our first home playoff game since, what, Seattle 2018, I want to say, and Wentz went down with a concussion first quarter in that one. We were... Yeah, we were on the road last year, got obliterated by Tampa, and it's and then before, obviously, a couple of down years. Like, I think this crowd's going to be in it. It's 8-15 on a Saturday. They're going to be absolutely blackout hammered. And I'm just, I'm not sold that Daniel Jones is going to be able to win a game in this environment. I think that what the Giants are doing is really impressive as far as how well they're coached. I do think that, um, like, Dable's great for Daniel Jones' development. It's pretty clear. He's he's allowing Daniel Jones to do things that he's good at, and he's not making him do things that he's bad at, which I kind of mentioned on last week's episode. Like, that's what a good offensive coach should do. Um, I think that they this uh, Giants offense is going to – it relies heavily on Saquon Barkley first off, um, and I don't see him having a big game against this Eagles uh, stout defensive line. Jordan Davis is back and healthy. They're they're fully healthy across the board on the D-line. Um, I think, again, Daniel Jones scrambling. Maybe he picks up some first downs and extends some drives to keep them in it more than I would like. Um, our pass defense is so much better than the Vikings' pass defense that I just I don't think that this Giants team puts up, what, 31 points like they did last week. I don't see that. If we're talking over-under here, it's, it's 48.5 here, and to me, that looks like a high number. And, you know, I haven't been that great at picking Eagles over-unders this year because it seems like every time I pick an under, A.J. Brown scores three touchdowns in the first half. It's very possible that it happens here, but um, I'm going to lean into the under in this one. It looks good to me. Uh, I I don't see this Giants offense, again, having the success that they did last week in Minnesota in a primetime spot in Philly. I think our defense is ready to hunt. I think the Giants will have a couple of like trick plays ready to go, and if we can neutralize those, I just don't see them being able to do what they did last week. The Vikings stink, guys. Like, this Giants team, yeah, people could say they're they're coming in hot, they're off a win, whatever. But no matter who the Eagles played this week, they were going to have a team that is, you know, coming off a playoff win. They're a playoff team that won a playoff game. Like, no matter who it is, people were going to say, oh, this team's getting hot. The Eagles are well-rested. They're as healthy as they've been in the past two months. They have veterans that have still been there from that 2017 Super Bowl team. 
but they've also got a bunch of young guys who are hungry as fuck. C.J. Gardner-Johnson, Devontae Smith, A.J. Brown, they don't have Super Bowl rings. Miles Sanders, Jalen Hurts, they don't have Super Bowl rings, right? Darius Slay, James Bradbury, they don't have Super Bowl rings. But then we do have those vets, the Jason Kelseys, the Lane Johnsons, the Fletcher Cox, the Brandon Grahams, the guys that were there and do know what it takes. So I think the locker room is going to be ready to go. I think the Giants have overachieved uh, at this point. And really the only thing that gives me slight hesitation to be totally cocky in this spot is the fact that it is like a, a, a divisional underdog here in the playoffs. They've already seen us twice. Maybe they have extra film on us and they'll be ready to, again, they will have a trick player too ready to go. But I think as long as we don't shoot ourselves in the foot with turnovers, I don't see how this goes south. I really, I feel good as an Eagles fan. Um, I'm going to pick the Giants plus the seven and a half with that divisional dog trend. And again, with the basis that I do think maybe this one is a little bit lower scoring. Um, Lane Johnson been uh, limited with a um, abdominal strain, uh, but I don't think that the Giants have the pass rushers really to take advantage of it. Dexter Lawrence is close to dominant on the inside there. Um, but Thibodeau, very talented, high potential, not quite there yet to take advantage of a guy like Lane. Really don't think. Lane Johnson literally has not given up a sack in two years, guys. So I know he's playing with a strained abdominal, but I don't see a rookie like Thibodeau or an unpolished guy like Aziz Ojulari being able to really give our offensive line trouble there. Um, Philly, uh, getting 83% of the money line bets, 55% of the dollars almost feels similar to me. Again, that kind of lopsided, maybe it's a thing where you take giants first half spread Eagles full game. Maybe these two teams off the bye get off to a little bit of a slow start and then figure out who they are and who they're supposed to be in the second half. That's kind of my vibe here on the double result. Jags first half Chiefs full game, Giants first half Eagles full game. Um, it seems accurate. I don't think the Giants will be winning, but I'm assuming that first half spread is around three and a half or so. I'd probably take the plus three and a half if I had to eyeball it. But yeah, um, under in this one, I'll say I was leaning towards the under here on FanDuel at 48 and a half. I'm seeing... 24% of the bets, 32% of the money. So I, I like that. Um, yeah, if I have to give you a, a, a solid pick here, it's under 48 and a half. Last thing I want to mention, Boston Scott, I believe, has a touchdown in his last like six games against the Giants. He scores every time we play them. He's currently plus 350 on DraftKings to score a touchdown. So keep that in mind if you're into player props, anytime touchdown scores, long shot, same game parlays, all that fun stuff. Boston Scott maybe gets into the end zone. I also like Miles Sanders over 66 and a half rushing yards a lot in this game. The Eagles, um, when they're when their backs against the wall and offensively they need to get a drive together, you know what they do? They go back to running the football and leaning on that offensive line. Miles had, I think, the best game of his career against the Giants earlier this season. He had like 148 rushing yards and two touchdowns. Uh, 66.5 is a super low number for an Eagles starting running back in a playoff game at home in prime time. Uh, so, yeah, I, I like Miles quite a bit, and maybe Boston Scott vultures one of his touchdowns at plus 350. That's enough Eagles talk. Let's jump over to Sunday.
Sunday afternoon, 3 o'clock at Orchard Park in Buffalo. We have the Buffalo Bills as a five-and-a-half point favorite over the Bengals. Over-under is 48-and-a-half. I'm seeing as high as a 49-and-a-half out there, so this number is, you know, moving around quite a bit. I've got a 49-and-a-half, a 49, a 48-and-a-half. We got some numbers out there. Um, <clears throat> this spread initially looked like too big of a number to me. Then I found out that the Bengals are down two of their starting offensive linemen. Um, Alex Kappa is out. I believe Jonah Williams is the other one. Sorry that I don't remember that off the top of my head, but they're missing half their O-line, and that is concerning to me. <clears throat> I think this spread should be about three points. I really was surprised to see a five this week. I, I guess the offensive line thing makes a little sense, but... I'm not sure it's worth two and a half points on the spread. My gut is telling me to still take the Bengals with as many points as I can get here. Joe Burrow uh, doesn't seem to get blown out very often. This Bengals team is very sound. They seem pissed off. I mean, not to bury the headline here. I don't want to spend this whole game breakdown talking about the DeMar Hamlin situation like a lot of other shows do this week. But it is part of the situation to acknowledge. It's an emotional situation for both these teams. I think a lot of people are just assuming that the Bills are going to come out here and put a whooping on them for DeMar Hamlin. They're going to all of a sudden play with some sort of magical inspiration here and that there's no way they can lose in this situation. I just don't think it's true. Emotion can play a big part in situations like that. Feels like they kind of got their emotional DeMar game against the Patriots in Week 18. <clears throat> Maybe they can get another one, but that was kind of part of my worry last week with the Dolphins was that the Bills were kind of in a sandwich spot there between the DeMar Week 18 game against the Patriots and then a look ahead to the Bengals collision. And, you know, the fact that these two teams didn't play a couple of weeks ago or didn't finish that game, rather, really makes this an interesting spot. This would be a rematch. Instead, this is the first time we're seeing this matchup, aside from, you know, a fraction of a first quarter. And um, again, I'm not sure that the emotional charge is the best thing for Buffalo. I've already seen in Josh Allen's short career that he has a tendency in big spots to come out a little overzealous, little high energy, little high adrenaline. And maybe, you know, comes out a little aggressive, you know, skies some throws. I've seen him, you know, miss. If you see Josh Allen missing throws high early, I don't know. He It might be a situation where McDermott has to pull him over on the sideline and say, hey, settle down, settle down. It's a long game. Let's get our emotions in check. You know, let's not let the moment get the best of us here. But it really could be a situation. And we've seen Josh Allen forcing a lot of throws and you know really it seems to me like he's trying to score a touchdown on every goddamn down and I've seen this before guys I'm an Eagles fan I watched Carson Wentz play for five years I do I you know and I don't want to say that Josh Allen is ever going to be as broken mentally as Carson Wentz currently is because you have to get fucked in the ass by a franchise multiple times to lose your confidence to the extent that Wentz has. But Josh Allen is doing a lot of he's playing a lot of hero ball. He's he literally he's he's looking for the big play every time instead of just 
advancing the offense. And he's holding on to the ball a lot. He's throwing the ball down the field. He's turning it over a lot. What did he have, two or three picks last week against Miami to keep them in that game? And he was in competition for the league lead in interceptions. An honor, uh, you know, finally secured by Dak Prescott despite missing five games this year. But we can talk about him next. I don't know. There's a lot of question marks in this Bills team. I know that they came into the season as this powerhouse that we all kind of wanted to crown immediately. And they have shown us the potential to play at that dominant level. But they've also shown the potential to keep teams in games that they shouldn't be in. And a lot of that has come off of Josh Allen being a little reckless with the football Um, it's actually funny. One of the props I was trying to give you guys here was Josh Allen anytime interception. I've been hitting Josh Allen interception props. Last week, he was actually listed at plus 110 to throw an interception. I think he had two before halftime. And that's against the Dolphins defense that really isn't a world beater. That said, the books have seemed to have caught on a bit. Uh, I told you last weekend he was plus 110 to throw a pick. He is now minus 150 at the cheapest is what I'm seeing. I'm seeing above 150 in some spots. I'm seeing a 160 out there. So it's a little frustrating that the books have caught on and adjusted that price. I still think it's a fair bet. I still think Josh Allen throws a pick in this game. I think the Bengals find a way to come down with it. Jesse Bates is a dog in that secondary. I don't love their corners, honestly, but... This is a unit that's shown that they can play good defense and they can show up in big situations. They also went on a playoff run last year, so they've been here before. And they had to win a lot of those games on the road last year, so I'm not sure the environment scares this team. Joe Burrow sure as shit isn't scared. I'm not calling for the upset here, but if it happens, I'm not the most shocked guy in the world. I, Despite the injuries, the offensive line injuries are the only thing here that is giving me hesitation outside of that the Bengals plus five seems like way too many points even if buffalo wins this game doesn't it feel like a field goal it i don't see a blowout here again i guess if it does come it's because this buffalo defense is able to make joe burrow's day a nightmare He was sacked 19 times in the playoffs last year, set an NFL record for most sacks on a quarterback in a single playoff run. And the offensive line is now dealing with a couple of injuries. So that's not great. Um, But I think it's too big of an adjustment on the spread, and I'm leaning with the Bengals plus five. And I like it quite a bit, to be honest. Again, this one seems like it's a bad number. If they open this at three... I might have leaned into the Bengals at that as well, to be honest. I think you'd have to make this two and a half for me to consider Buffalo, despite the offensive line injuries. Um, I've got 67% of the bets, 72% of the money on FanDuel at Cincinnati plus five and a half. Uh, We're looking at 29% of the bets, 68% of the money on the money line plus 205. Some of these cash splits this week are weird and confusing. All the underdogs are getting huge cash splits on the money line. Maybe that's just the sharp market realizing that, yeah, upsets still happen in the playoffs. And again, underdogs in the divisional round cover at 60% over their last 75 games. 
Uh, Moneyline seems a little um, aggressive for me on the Jags and Giants, but if you need to talk yourself into Joe Burrow pulling off another clutch performance against uh, a team that's valued above his in the playoffs, I mean, the guy... The guy's done it before, and he could do it again. I, I, you know, this Bengals team pissed me off last year on their Super Bowl run because I didn't think they were that good. I thought that they kept getting lucky. Their opponents kept beating themselves. The refs helped them out a little bit as well. I could go on for days, to be honest. That shit is, like, printed into my head very firmly, all the fucking bullshit. Jamar Chase pushes off offensive pass interference more than any player I've ever seen in the history of football. But none of them got called last year in January for some reason. That said, you know, what I've seen from the Bengals this year shows me that that wasn't a fluke playoff run and that they're, they're legit and that they can compete and that if that offensive line can hold up, that five and a half is way too many points here. So um, didn't mean to make this so anti-Buffalo because I think the Bills are really good and I think the Bills can win this game. The number scares me. I'm not laying five and a half there, but it is a difficult environment to play in. Orchard Park, hostile crowd. Um, forgot to mention this, you know, I dove into the DeMar Hamlin stuff a little, but this Bengals team, the fact that they have to play this game in Buffalo, I think they're taking it personally. I think they're taking it. Joe Mixon had a quote. He said it was disrespectful that this is not a neutral field game. Um, that home field was given to Buffalo because of, the DeMar Hamlin game and the fact that that was a no, no contest. Um, they were ready to give the Baltimore Ravens a coin flip for home field advantage in a scenario where they beat Cincinnati in week 18, but they're not willing to give the Bengals the same benefit of the doubt here. That's at least the Bengals perspective from the locker room and the, and the fan base. And I can see where that mentality is. I can see where that perspective comes from. And I think that that's a dangerous thing as well to have a team that feels that they've been slighted or disrespected and that they, they want to come in with even more of a chip on their shoulder than they already had previously, knowing that it's a win or go home. I think it creates a dangerous situation here. And I think the Bengals will be just as motivated. Again, like you guys act like DeMar Hamlin all of a sudden gives the Buffalo Bills a magic fucking wand where all of a sudden it's like, remember the Titans and they can't fucking lose. And Sunshine's throwing flea flickers to Petey in the end zone. Like, it doesn't fucking work that way. They still have to play the game, right? So I got to take the five and a half with Cincinnati. One more game here, 6.30 p.m. kickoff Eastern Standard Time on Sunday. We have the Dallas Cowboys getting four points at San Francisco. I'm seeing that number change quite a bit this week, and even currently I'm seeing some fluctuation I've got bet stamp open and I have a plus four on bet MGM. I've got a my, uh, plus three and a half on FanDuel and a few other books here. I'm seeing about 52% of the bets, but 64% of the money on Dallas plus four here on DraftKings. And honestly, I have to agree with it. It's tough to pick against San Francisco right now, and I'm not sure why I do it every single week despite it just not working out. Maybe I'm in that dumb um, portion of the public that is continuing to doubt this team because of Brock Purdy and the unestablished quarterback, but the 49ers are obviously very, 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 very good. <laughs> very good. And Brock Purdy obviously doesn't have to be Peyton Manning for this team to function. Like, he's a point guard there. He's distributing. And that's all Shanahan has ever needed. So I understand why they're they're able to to win and 
they beat the shit out of the Seahawks in the second half last week, but can we not, do we not forget that the 49ers really didn't look all that invincible in the first half of that game, and they were actually down 17-16 to Geno Smith and the Seahawks in the first half of that one, and Brock Purdy was missing quite a few throws. He was a tipped pass or, you know, an, an inch of trajectory away from a couple of interceptions in that. I really thought he was going to throw a pick six or two in the first half of that game against Seattle. The way that he was trying to fit some of those underneath quick passes into tight windows that just weren't there. They obviously gashed him in the second half, kind of once they got that momentum going, they started, you know, call, dialing up more of those uh, intermediate to deep play action crossing routes. And it is amazing to me to watch this 49ers offense get people so wide the fuck open all the time. Like they only have two guys running routes. They'll, they leave everybody in the block and then they send Debo one direction and Ayuk one direction. And for some reason, there's nobody within 30 fucking yards of either one of them. I don't really get it. But the other thing is Christian McCaffrey. Like he is such a perfect fit in this 49ers offense. It blows my mind. I don't know if there's a, it is almost like Shanahan created this offense for Christian McCaffrey. It really does look that way when you watch them play. And then the playmakers that they have with Debo and Ayuk and Kittle, it's impressive. I just don't, I don't think they're as invincible as everybody says. I understand people want to pick them to be the, the, a lot of people are picking this team to win the Super Bowl, and it's not with a lack of confidence. It's almost like people are just, the, acting like the Chiefs, the Bills, and the Bengals don't even exist, and they just want to crown the 49ers already. I didn't mention the Eagles there, but obviously, I mean, there's there are teams around here still, and I'm going to pick Dallas plus four. Again, divisional round underdogs do well. If, this, if you tell me this game comes down to a field goal, I, I'm not that surprised. You know, it's realistic in the playoffs. I hate to have that cop out of, you know, it could end by a few. It could, you know, it really could, especially the way that, what's his name, Brett Maher has been missing extra points. Who knows if, uh, you know, those four points are key in this matchup or not. I don't know. Um, I don't trust Purdy to continue to play perfect. I'll say that. I think the guy could be good, but again, I saw a little bit of nerves in the first half of that Seahawks game, and I think if he plays a defense that's a little bit better at taking advantage of mistakes, like a Cowboys or an Eagles defense, we could see a different outcome. This team's not unbeatable. Um, Dallas, you know, I don't love picking them, honest. I never love picking Dallas, and it kind of surprises me that I'm, that I'm here on it. It's a little bit of like the sharp money and the cash split that I'm seeing. It's a little bit of the playoff dog. It's also, I think that win last week, and I don't want to overreact to it because the Buccaneers do stink. They're clearly a broken team, and, and maybe Dallas comes out and shows us that right away this weekend, and I look dumb. But I think it was big just for confidence and for Dak's confidence specifically. Dak's a guy that's um, you know under a little bit of pressure right now at this point of his at this point of his career. Not much playoff success. I think that was his first playoff win last week. To get that monkey off his back, I think it's big for him. I think it's big for uh, his confidence, and I think that they've got some young guys there with like Micah Parsons and Trayvon Diggs that they haven't been a part of a lot of those like epic Cowboys choke jobs. 
that Dak and Zeke have been involved in. So maybe they're less jaded. Maybe what they don't know won't hurt them here. And maybe they can just go into this game with blind, naive confidence or gusto. Um, I think that Dallas can make this one a, a ball game. I just think that that hype on San Francisco has gotten a little out of control. And I, I think that if they have to actually play a game instead of blowing teams out, and getting, you know, two Geno Smith pick sixes or whatever they've, you know, I don't know. I think let's see them grind one out before we start laying points to a, a pretty quality team. And as much as I hate to sit here and compliment Dallas again, you know, it, it really pains me to do that. Dallas has the ability to choke and we like to make fun of them for it. But when Dallas is playing at their peak performance, they are pretty fucking good. I can't I can't lie. Like if they stay away from the turn if Dak doesn't turn the ball over, if they get Pollard going and then the one two punch with Zeke, Pollard's very fucking good. CD Lamb's very fucking good. Um it'll be interesting to see how this one plays out. I'm seeing ninety percent of the money, eighty four percent of the bets on over forty six. See the number being driven up to forty six and a half on some books. And um I guess it does make sense that the over is getting so much love. I'm going to lean into a contrarian under in this one as well. I think that maybe the way that Dallas makes this a game is by Purdy not having his... Again, like if you don't have these massive collapses in coverage that the Seahawks allowed to like Brandon Ayuk and Debo last week and you don't give up a you know a 75-yard... Uh, catch and run off of a hitch route to Debo Samuel. Like I don't know if they get those massive trunk plays and trunk chunk plays and busted coverages against Dallas that they have been getting against like the really bad teams that they've been beating up on. I know that San Francisco is on an 11 game win streak right now, and I know that they've been blowing a lot of teams out. Have they really blown anyone out? That's any good and I you know I'm talking to myself here obviously you guys can't come back at me with the I'm genuinely asking myself this question right now like I know that they're winning and they're winning uh, impressively I suppose but like is blowing out the Cardinals and the Seahawks and the Rams every week really that impressive I I I really am curious I I don't know that's kind of where my head's at with it um, maybe I look like a doofus. Maybe Brock Purdy is the next Tom Brady. But I, I think with the fact that this number has been bet down a bit too, uh, with uh, the number opening at four and a half earlier this week, dropping to four, three and a half, I'm seeing some fours pop back up again here Friday afternoon. But with the initial cash driving the number down, it tells me that the four and a half was too many points or at least perceived that way by the sharp market and I'll tend to lean into that as well um I told you guys I wanted to pick every dog this weekend on the spread talked myself into the Chiefs getting that early one out of the way we'll see but yeah I, I do think I'm inclined to grab the points in most of these matchups here um if Dallas wins I'm not the most shocked guy, to be honest. I think I'll be, I, I think it will be, it'll be surprising. Like the 49ers are very good and I will have to sit there and say, wow, they really fucking did it, huh? But I think I'll be less shocked than, you know, Judy and HR or 
whatever dipshit they have hosting Sports Center that night. Like, I think Dallas is a pretty live dog in this situation. I hope I'm not overreacting to that Monday night spanking of Tom Brady and the Bucks, but that's kind of where I'm leaning. That's it, guys. Those are my thoughts here. Got a pretty lengthy episode here despite only four games. Not sure if that's a good or bad thing. Maybe you guys will let me know. Maybe you'll just keep ignoring me. Either way, appreciate you for listening, those who have stuck with me. Um, I will be back next week breaking down the conference championships. Hopefully, um, my birds will be playing them. Man, it would be great to see this showdown. Eagles 49ers really would be fantastic. As long as the Chiefs beat the Jags, we can't get a bad AFC championship game. Even Eagles-Cowboys would be super interesting because... Um, the first time that the Eagles played Dallas, Dak wasn't there. And then the second time Jalen Hurts wasn't there. So this would actually kind of be the first time that we would get these teams playing each other at full strength this season, which would make for some fucking incredible headlines next week and some storylines and narratives. We get, you know, Micah Parsons talking shit against the Eagles and Lane Johnson shutting his ass down for the third time this year. It'd be great. So, um, yeah, I'm excited for these games. I hope you guys are too. I appreciate you listening. Uh, thanks for tuning in. I will be back with you next week. Follow me on Instagram for all final game picks and bets at SGR pod, uh, download Betstamp. use my referral code, Joseph B and follow me at SGR pod on Betstamp as well. That's it for my plugs. Thanks again, guys. See you later. Ramble on.